Tonight I will be reading from Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians. And the purpose for my sermon tonight is to give us all the sense of awe that we need to have in an occasion where a minister of the gospel is set up, already ordained but installed in the church for the service of the word and of the administering of the sacraments. It's very important what we are all doing as a church tonight. It's a sacred thing. It's not just important, but it's a sacred thing. It's sacred because the ministry of the word and the sacraments is an ordinance of God. He himself gave it to the church. It always belongs to him, is used effectually, effectively by him for his sacred purposes, for the salvation of the elect, for the condemnation of the world. Is sacred because the minister proclaims names and proclaims his holy name to all the nations. It is sacred because the act of ordination or installation is one of the proper elements of worship. And we know that all the things of God are sacred and everything has to do with God and, and worship. And, and for that reason, the Psalms will say, a holy, uh, it speaks of the holy temple in Jerusalem because it is where God's presence is. And speaking of a high view of the rare ordinances of God, I would like to read to you tonight from Paul's first epistle to the Thessalonians. I will focus ourselves tonight on verse 13, 1 Thessalonians 2, um, verse 13, which says, For this reason we also thank God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Now, I have titled this evening uh, my message as the preaching of the word of God is also the word of God. And I realize that this might sound absurd unbiblical, even upsetting. I've had people walk out of the service when I have insisted or actually preached on this very passage in Albania. Preachers have been fired uh, for insisting that the, 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 the preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. People have walked out of their churches shaking their hands. What is the preacher? Who does he think he is? And yet this is a, an important biblical doctrine that we need to hear Today, the ordination and the installation of a godly man to the ministry of the word and sacrament is a great blessing to the local church, to you, is a great blessing to the city, and it's a great blessing to the nation, because it is parts of God's spiritual warfare on the kingdom of Satan and bringing the light to the nations as he promised in the Bible. God has not withdrawn his presence from this church and from this city, has not withdrawn his mercy and grace, has not withdrawn his salvation from this location because you have a minister of the word and the sacraments. 
and you are adding more so that the word of God will multiply in your city. Because where the word of God is, is the presence of God. There is grace and mercy. There is salvation. There is all kinds of blessings. And before I go any further, let me define what we mean this evening by preaching. Preaching is the authoritative proclamation of the word of God and the acts of God by one called properly ordained to be a minister of the gospel. In this passage that we have just read, we need to first to see the context. It's, it's a great book. Apostle Paul is writing to his church plant in Thessaloniki, the first apostolic Presbyterian church of Thessaloniki. And he is very thankful for how they have responded to the gospel after he left under great persecution. And then having listed the things that he is most thankful for them, he comes to what he is most thankful for them. In verse 13, for the way they received and accepted his apostolic preaching. They received it as a word of God. Um, he says, and we also thank God constantly th for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you who believe. It's interesting, Paul says that they did receive his word, but he said this was yet God's work. And then he talk, talks about the, the response that, that, that the work of God, that the word of God did in their lives. They became imitators of all the other churches. They became imitators of Paul, and then they became imitators of Christ. But this morning, I would like to draw out this theology of the preaching of the gospel. So uh, first, I, I want you to focus in this passage how the preaching of the word, and not the Bible itself, but the preaching of the word, the act of preaching, is the focus of the passage. The public preaching of the word of God. Notice three, three moments in, in this verse. First, we see that the Thessalonians heard the word of God. Paul stresses the hearing um, in this context. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you receive the word of God, which you heard from us. Now, the emphasis in this verse is on the hearing of the word of God. And, of course, this will make sense because these uh, Gentile Christians, they, they, they don't have the Bible that we have today. They don't go to Barnes & Nobles or to Walmart or all this or wherever you, you will buy the, the Bible. Uh, they, they don't have it. It's not in, in, in one binding. Um, and m maybe, m most likely, each city will have in the synagogue a copy of the Old Testament. But it's what Paul preached to them that he is calling the word of God. And I'm not trying to diminish, diminish the personal reading of God's word, um, all the other books that, we, that go with it. But tonight the emphasis is on the hearing 
of the word of God. And he says this is something supernatural. Something supernatural happens. Something unique takes place when the gospel is preached. Notice secondly also that it says that Thessalonians accepted the preaching of the word of God. Not as the word of men, but as what it really is. It's wonderful what it really is. And then he has to add it and say, well, it's the word of God. They did not think that what they were hearing from Paul is simply Paul's opinion. They didn't say it was just Paul's words. Their response on how they were ready to die for Christ is the proof that that is what they thought of the preaching of Paul, the words of Christ. They believe that preaching itself is the word of God, just as the written word, and even that epistle that they had just received is the word of God also. Now, somebody will say, well, that of, of course. Of course they thought that what Paul preached was the word of God, because after all, he is the apostle of Christ. And whenever the apostle of Christ speaks, Christ speaks. So you might say, well, there's no proof that preaching in general is the word of God. Well, there is a third element in the verse. We don't have just there Paul preaching. We have three people preaching there. We have preachers in plural. You receive the word of God, Paul says, which you heard from us. And who is us? Whoever is in the um, greeting of the epistle, Timothy and Silas. They accompanied him on this missionary journey. And they're listed in the greetings of the, at the beginning of the letter. They are not apostles. They're preachers of the Gospels, missionaries to foreign lands, ministers of the Word and the sacraments. They are assistants to Paul. They are associate ministers of Paul, but not apostles. And yet Paul uses strong language to describe not only his preaching ministry, but their preaching ministry as the word of God as it actually is indeed. So he's saying that when the preacher preaches, is Christ is preaching, and it's not unique to the apostle. It's not unique to him. It's unique to all the preachers of the gospel. And so what makes this message unique is not Paul, but the supernatural work that God does when his word is preached, when the word of God is preached properly, it is Christ preaching. It's Christ speaking through the preaching, the faithful preaching of faithful men. Now, in case we're tempted to think, well, that's nice. It's just one verse in the Bible. This is a biblical doctrine. We have it in many, many places. Every single time in the Old Testament, when a prophet says, thus says the Lord, when he preaches his God preaching, but I'll give you three more passages from the New Testament just to make it four altogether and be sweet and, and short. The first passage to consider is from Romans 10. In Romans 10, chapter 10, verses 14 and 15, um, we have that wonderful uh, passage where Paul is quoting Isaiah. And he's talking about the, the importance of public Preaching, and in verse 15, 
He says, how then will they call on him, which is Christ, in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him, which is Christ, of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, and now Paul quotes from Isaiah 52, 7. How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And you say, okay, it's, it's a quotation from the Old Testament. That's nice. But that passage, it's a messianic passage. And it speaks of the preaching ministry of Christ as the prophet, as the priest, as the king. But why is Paul including himself in it? Because the mission of Christ is now extended to be the mission of the church. The preaching ministry of Christ, by extension, is done through the apostolic preachers, through, through the minister of, ministers of the word and the sacraments. And it's a salvific passage in the Old Testament. It's a salvific uh, passage in, in Romans 10 also. And then in verse 17, he says, faith come from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. So he's saying that the one who preaches is hearing the word of Christ. It's not the word about Christ or that originates from Christ. It's the word of Christ. So Paul is saying that people who hear preachers preach, they're hearing the word of Christ, not just about Christ, not of Christ, but Christ himself. The preacher is his mouthpiece. Look even more carefully, more closely to verse 14. It's quite interesting. There's a second element there. He says, how then will they call him in whom they have not believed? How are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? Now, this is important. Notice those words at the second part of the verse. In him of whom? In and of. Well, they are not in the original this is what translators do to make it fluent English or even give it some sort of interpretation to the text just to kind of make it sense. It's typical, but in this case is bad because it obscures and even changes the actual meaning of the verse. And the verse literally should be read like this. How shall they believe him whom they have not heard? Now, to make things easier, let's change the pronouns. Let's replace him with Christ. How shall they believe Christ whom they have not heard? But Paul is talking to the Romans. Many, many years after Jesus' ascension to the right hand of God the Father, there's no chance that they're going to hear Christ preach on the flesh. And yet, Paul wrote, Christ is preaching. How were they how will they believe Christ of whom they have never heard personally? Further, we see that um, in John ten sixteen, that's another important passage. There, Jesus says, in that great passage of shepherding and him being the great shepherd and having so many sheep, 
He says, the other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And this passage is about salvation too. Jesus calling him, him his sheep in a very effectual way. And he says, the sheep, has to ha they have to hear the voice of the shepherd for them to be saved, for them to be led. But he does not speak here of only his earthly ministry. Um, because he says, I have other sheep which are not of this fault. What does that mean? Well, maybe there are the Jewish believers that will get converted later through the apostolic ministry of the word. But most likely, I think they, they are the Gentile nations that will believe in Christ through the preaching of the gospel, which is listening to the voice of Christ. And how are they to hear the actual voice of Christ but through the ministry of the word, through the ministers of the word? The final passage I want to bring out to your attention is from Ephesians 2. In Ephesians 2, verse 17, again, Apostle Paul says, And he came and preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Now, two elements here. First, Paul is referring to Jesus. Let me read again. Let's do that uh, switcheroo. Let's uh, replace the pronoun with the noun. And it reads like this. And Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far off and to those who are near. Now, let's replace the second pronoun. Jesus came and preached peace to you Ephesians who are far off and to those who were near. How, how, how will Jesus do that? Through the preaching of the gospel, through the apostolic ministry. When the preacher speaks faithfully the word of Christ, it is Christ himself who speaks to us. That's how we hear. That's how we, the sheep, hear the voice of Jesus after he's been resurrected and, and taken up to heavens. That's how we hear the voice of Jesus today. That's how you will hear the voice of Jesus next Sunday through the ordained preaching of the gospel. And this is nothing new. I'm not inventing it. This has always been the historic doctrine of the church in the centuries past. Actually, I have plagiarized here a little bit. Um, there is this great Reformed confession called the Second Helvetic Confession, which comes from 1562. In paragraph 4, it has a subtitle. And guess what the subtitle of the paragraph is? The preaching of the Word of God is the Word of God. And here's what the paragraph says. Therefore, when this Word of God is now preached in the church by preachers lawfully called, we believe that the very Word of God is proclaimed and received by the faithful and that neither any other word of God is to be invented nor is to be expected from heaven. That now the word itself which is preached is to be regarded. Not the minister that preaches. For even if you be evil and a sinner, and of course we are sinners, nevertheless the word of God remains still true and good. Now how does this happen? The answer has been given to us 
by the Westminster Larger Catechism 155. The Spirit of God makes the reading, but especially the preaching of the Word, an effectual means. And then we have a great passage that comes afterwards. The means of enlightening, convincing, humbling sinners, of driving them out of themselves and drawing them unto Christ. That's the action of salvation. And then continues of conforming, conforming them to his image and subduing them to his will and strengthening them against temptations and corruptions, of building them up in grace, establishing their hearts in holiness and comfort through faith unto salvation. And that's sanctification. The Spirit of God makes the reading and especially the preaching of the Word of God an effectual means of salvation and sanctification. When there is the word present, God is present. His blessings are present. Luther wrote, since Christ is the Lord of the past, of the present, of the future, his proclamation continues in his body, the church. Thus, the proclamation of the word of God is a means of grace which calls, gathers, redeems the people of God. And so Luther said the church ought to be a mouth house rather than a penthouse. Now, Luther wrote a lot of books. They have not all yet been translated in English. And Luther says the church is to be a mouth house of God. Brother and sister, take it tonight as a clear sign from God. When God gives you a preacher, he's securing your future. He's securing your blessing. When God leaves you without a preacher, he's securing your judgment. Luther wrote, there is no more terrible disaster than with which the wrath of God can afflict men than a famine of hearing his word, as says in Amos 8.11. And what does Amos 8.11 say? Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord God, that I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread, nor thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. The presence of more and more ordained men in ministry for the preaching of the gospel is a great sign that God's blessing will continue upon this church, upon this city, upon this nation, upon the world. And so for Calvin, preaching is part of God's saving presence. It's a, a vehicle of that saving presence presence, Calvin says, I dare say that the preacher is the mouth of God, for God does not wish to be heard, but by the voice of his ministers, he wrote when commenting on Isaiah 50.10. So it's an act of great mercy to see tonight a faithful man be installed to ministry. In conclusion, and by the way of application, I want you to always remember every Sunday when the preacher comes up the pulpit, remember to not take the preaching of the gospel as a merely human enterprise. God is at work among you. God himself speaks personally to you when a faithful preacher proclaims the word of God. God himself is laboring among you for your salvation and sanctification according to his purpose. 
And I call to every preacher in this room, every ruling and deacon, to remember that every Sunday, the momentous nature of the preaching event itself. Every church member needs to understand and remember the momentous nature of the preaching event that is happening right before your eyes, toward your ears, hopefully toward your soul. You are being fed with Christ himself, by Christ himself, for his glory. Holy Spirit, we pray that knowing how wonderful, what a saving grace it is to have the preaching of the gospel, we pray that you will multiply it many, many, many fold upon this nation and all the nations of the world. For Lord, you have said that the harvests are full, the wheat, the wheat is looking down and heavy, but the ministers are few. And we pray that you will continue to, to furnish your kingdom with officers of the gospel and of the sacraments for the blessing of the people, for the blessing of the church. For your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.